When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's back and bigger than ever. It's the unofficial 40 from Soonerscoop.com. Now, here's the entire Soonerscoop crew. Carrie, Josh, Eddie, and Bob. It is another episode of the Unofficial 40 Podcast featuring more football than ever as we welcome in the entire crew. Josh, Eddie, and Bob are all here to join us uh, for this week's edition. And guys, we have a starting quarterback at Oklahoma. Uh, We're actually talking some football with coaches and players and had a Zoom call with Lincoln Riley yesterday. Today, we talked to Shane Beamer and Calvin Thibodeau. uh, And uh, tomorrow, I guess, we'll talk to... A group of players, so um, it's starting to feel a lot like football around here, fellas. And I got the hiccups. It needs to. We're less than two two weeks away. I mean, as much as it's been weird the last two three months trying to say, okay, they're just going through the motions because there won't be a season. We've reached the point, and Lincoln sort of talked about it yesterday. You can see the light at the end of the tunnel. Everyone's mindset has got to start changing, and. and you know, we're we're not in the big in in Big Ten country where there's all this dissension and all this you know stupidity going wild. It's here. The season will be here. I mean, next week we'll actually be talking about a real life game that's about to go down. Can I just point out that Bob just dominated the f- out of this podcast? He just said, "Eddie, Josh, f- you, I'm taking over. I I, I admire f- it." I kind of feel cuckolded. Cuckolded? Cuckolded. 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 What about cuckolded? Cucked? You kind of feel cucked. Yeah, go with cucked. That's way better. I wasn't going to cuss on this anymore. I don't believe that at all. Talk to my priest. I'm changing things up. It does feel like football, though. I mean, we're talking about planning to going on scrimmage to scrimmages and stuff, and... I don't know. It was like it almost hit the other night when I was watching the NBA uh, game. I, I guess it would have been uh, Tuesday night, and they're advertising for the Labor Day game between Navy and BYU. Yeah. You hear the little music, the little jingle, and I was like, kind of got a little funny feeling. It was, it was, it, it's welcomed uh, distraction. Now, Josh, I got to think that you were just glued in front of the set watching Central Arkansas and Austin P. I really wanted to be, but I actually wasn't. Um, no, it, and like this weekend's lineup, you're like, this is horseshit. I've never been excited about Memphis, Arkansas State before, but I will watch that game. Like I, it for me, you know, and, and I know this is very specific, and nobody will relate, so that makes it really good radio. But um, or podcast, I don't know how the hell do you term that? I don't know. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Uh, but for me, one of the real signs, like, oh, we're getting close is when I start doing the fearless 20 and like I did it this week. And like, 
it was the first time I was like, I think football's actually going to happen. Like, and even in my predictions, like that was the first one, like they're going to play the whole season. And it was Ooh, just like, it was like I talked myself into it. I was like, I believe it. I'm going with it. I'm committing to this. So I, I, I'm ready. Like, let's just play a season of football. Let's see this happen. And let's watch the Big Ten try to explain all of their decisions. I, I'm just so happy to point and laugh at the Big Ten. And oh. really, pointing and laughing at anyone, you're going to point and laugh at the Pac-12. But it's almost like, you know, it's almost like making fun of someone with a disability. It's like, is it really fun to laugh at the Pac-12? Because they're not really a football per, uh, conference. Can can we rename them like Subpower Five? That was that was kind of like the best part with uh, the whole controversy, I guess, on Tuesday with the phone call between Kevin Warren and President Trump. Just as far as like nobody gives a f- what's going on out west. Nobody even thought about calling the Pac-12. I have been. It couldn't have gone better over the last what two and a half weeks since or I guess months since the Big Ten made their decision, it couldn't have gone better just in terms of the backtracking that's come out of Chicago with the Big Ten offices and then just the general lack of who gives a fuck with the Pac-12. Does it seem more and more like the Big Ten was trying to win like a popularity contest? Like we're, we're going to – like we talked about all summer, this rush to cancel everything. It seemed like they were like, well, we're going to be ahead of this and we get to claim – you know, we cared more than the Big 12 and the Moral SEC supporty. and the ACC. Yeah. Superiority. And now they're like, oh, that didn't go the way we thought it was going to go. I mean, it's it's to me, the Big 10 is clearly presidents run amok. I mean, it is a bunch of universities that didn't listen to their athletic department because they, I mean, I think in the Big 10, we've all heard of, you know, their academic superiority and they're the research conference and, you know, they got Northwestern and uh, it's like they really are, you know, entitled academically. Like they, they don't take it as serious as the SEC or the Big 12 or the ACC does from a u- university standpoint. Now, Ohio State does, which I can't believe that they were for this. Nebraska does, uh, but... I would think Penn State would, but I'm sure Penn State doesn't want to say too much because, you know, they don't want to come off like football after what happened with Paterno. They don't want to become off be coming off like their football first. But like Wisconsin, how are you not? I mean, I guess they have such a binge drinking reputation and problem. <laughs> They're just gonna sit the f- down too. I I've been a little surprised, like. I, I don't know. Maybe I just overestimated the power of Barry Alvarez, or maybe he's just been half asleep for the last month and a half. But I've been slightly surprised that he hasn't been more vocal as far as, like the only thing that I've really come uh, seen that's come out of Madison has been just basically how much money they're going to lose over the next six months. It is strange. I mean... I would have figured that he would have been one of the guys banging the drum like, these guys need to be playing football. Well, and then all the all the lying that's come out about this, like, well, there never really was a vote, and then they get sued. Yes, there was a vote. It was eleven to three. <laughs> I mean, like, it's all the stuff that it's just like, and I understand, you know, the parents of kids that have, you know, I mean, imagine what it's like in this day and age. Parents are so heavily involved in recruiting 
uh, in paying for trainers during the offseason. Like, the, if most parents are taking their kids out to do summer camp stuff. I mean, or now they're starting their football seasons. But, I mean, the, high school's really, the parents aren't, you don't really hear a lot of uproar about COVID stuff in the high school ranks. I mean, you hear that there's a spread and they have to cancel this game and that game. But you don't hear anybody's like, this is this should not be happening. We should not well, be playing. It, it might be because of where we're at. I, I, you know, I, I think in other places where they're picketing out front of, uh, you know, education buildings because they've canceled football. I think it's completely different. Yeah, um, and it, it would be like that though in Texas and Oklahoma if they had canceled. Oh yeah, people would be, have their guns out if they would have canceled everything. And I don't blame them. But, you know, thank God we have football uh, going on in uh, in Oklahoma. I mean, it's going to be cool. It's going to be cool to have football. I You know, the, the I noticed today Iowa State backtracked and said that they're not going to allow fans in. I think that's more of a, a city and government thing that's kind of shut that down more <laughs> than the school. Uh, and then they released their COVID cases. I mean, you could tell they've had a, a spike in there. Not as bad as OSU's, but, I mean, they've had a problem keeping it under control, too. Uh, I think they had, like, 55 total that they listed between August and July. And, uh, I mean, look, everybody seems to be kind of getting it under control, though, as we get towards the season. And I think that goes along with what you mentioned earlier, earlier Bob. Lincoln Riley saying, you know, now the players are actually taking it seriously. And uh, you can start to see gains every day in practice because guys are actually practicing because they know they're going to play a game. I think guys are social distancing away from the f football field more because they know they want to play. I am wondering what the COVID numbers have been at OU. Uh, it always seems like Pete, Pete Sampson has the Notre Dame numbers ready to roll. I haven't seen anything on what's been happening at OU. You know what's happening within the state every single day. But no, and we know what's happening within OU athletic department on every uh, week. But what has been the actual situation at OU at the university? I don't have a clue throughout these first two weeks of classes. Catholics are just more forthcoming than everybody else. I think that's <laughs> what it comes down to. They're used to confessing. Confessing. Exactly. I don't think that they're making. Uh, I know I, I'm. I'm almost like ninety nine percent positive. Uh, if you're living in a fraternity or a sorority house in Norman, you don't have to uh, do any kind of testing. They don't have to report anything. Yeah, and the other thing they said was it's it's confusing because kids are giving their home addresses. So when they report positives, mm. they're like going to Texas, like on Texas's really? numbers and not Oklahoma's <laughs> numbers. Yeah. <laughs> Well, that's the most, that's literally one of the most f***ed up things I've ever heard as far as contact tracing goes. Yeah, that's pretty bad. I mean, my God, idiots. We're here, though. We're going to be playing football. And you They know won't what? be playing football at uh, the Crosstown Clash, it looks like, but they're going to be playing football somewhere. I will say this, from watching uh, that UCA game, uh, Austin P game, like... As far as television is concerned, I wasn't watching that game like going, oh, wow, the atmosphere is terrible. Like, 
it just seemed like a normal football game. I didn't even really notice. Of course, it was in Birmingham, Alabama, and you invited two teams from out of state to come. So, you know, there weren't going to be a whole lot of people. I would imagine an Oklahoma game, an Oklahoma State game, even with 25,000 people spread out, it's you're not going to really say, wow, that's a terrible atmosphere for college football. I think it's going to look closer to normal than we think on TV. Is, is football one of the, I guess, easier sports in a way? Like with, with baseball, it's very obvious. You notice it as soon as you turn on the game. Uh, with basketball, the bubble thing's been, I think everybody's just kind of become comfortable with it. By the time we get to football, will it be one of those things that, I don't know. Like, it, I, I don't think, th I think it'll be pretty easy to get a, get away with as far as the TV side goes, but there will be portions of a game where you're expecting, like, a shot of a student section or something something else, and you just won't get it. But I guess you will get it at some places that are allowing fans in. I, I don't know. I guess maybe half full stadiums kind of, I've talked myself halfway through this and thinking that it will be okay. I believe Are they going to amplify like the crowd mic, like try to make that that twenty thousand sound like eighty thousand? Oh, there are no. I bet there are, are no they rules. Pipe in stuff. It's going to be Thunderdome everywhere. That's going to go on. I I bet that goes on everywhere. You know, at Baylor they'll be doing that. I will say it's trippy watching U.S. Open without fans, watching tennis without. This is this has been a weird first three days here. I, I noticed a little bit of that last night, Bob. It it definitely does look weird. You're just used to like the, I don't know. I, I'm just used to the sounds of it almost, as opposed to like actually viewing it. Yeah, I mean the NBA has done a really good job of piping in natural crowd noise and making it feel like a normal game. But I don't know how much of that you'll get with college. I imagine with college football and NFL, you'll get some of that. But I don't think you will with, you know. I mean, let's face it. All the, I mean, we haven't talked about this, but they do release the schedule, three games. Uh, and guess what, pours? I'm sorry. It's a pay-per-view game, the opener. It's 6 o'clock and then two 11 o'clock games. Which I think people just, just even though they know they probably can't go to games, I think it's just, uh, it's it's just second nature for people to shit on eleven o'clock games. Makes no sense. That's that's the window. That's the big noon kickoff for Fox. You got the they're going to lead the day. Then SEC carries you in the middle of the day, and then ESPN will take will take you home at night. It seems like just that's the way it works and without the big big 10 being an option you know you can't put the buckeyes or michigan in that spot OU's going to be there quite quite a bit could carrie I, I have a question about the pay-per-view stuff that i've been pretty confused about as far as who picks the pay-per-view decision is it oklahoma or does fox own the rights to that game in which they say we're going to put it on a pay-per-view channel. I I think part of that is negotiated because it is a it is a third-tier rights situation which made me wonder okay, well will OU without 12 games, will they have third-tier rights for this season? Like could Fox or ESPN claim like, 
if you want your full pay, you don't, you know, you don't, we don't have any, like, there's just no, I think they could televise every single game that's being played if they want to, but it, as far as Power 5 teams are concerned. So, I, I think oh. Fox kind of had to let them have it, and, and, and I, I think that they had to hope that ESPN didn't pick it up, which they didn't. I just, I guess what I'm asking, like, OU gets the five to seven million from that third tier right, no matter what. They don't, they're not like, everybody out there will say, well, it's a pay-per-view game, it's going to be half attendance, OU can make a killing off of that. OU isn't necessarily making money per subscription to the pay-per-view, right? I don't know for sure. I I, I mean, that's, my understanding, me. my understanding was this. They, ha- they had this contract with Fox and it pays a certain amount every year, but I always got the feeling that the the amount of money that they were making is it, it was between at one time it was between five and seven million a year, and they could never say exact exactly what the dollar figure was because it was always dependent on the pay per view. So, yes, I do think the more people that subscribe to this, the more money OU will make. That makes sense. I, I'm almost positive. Yeah, I mean, I, I I would imagine. I mean, it's their it's their network basically that produces the whole thing. They probably should. Make it's the a same reason Kansas and Texas is on the Longhorn Network every year. They buy they buy that game, kind of to put it on the network. I mean, ESPN basically grabs a game that sucks. And I think Iowa sure. State has been on there when they weren't any good. That was kind yeah, it's of a been game. Iowa State. A couple, the last couple of years, I feel like. Uh, well, maybe not the last couple when they've been better, but... But that's considered a third-tier rights game when they do that. Yeah, well, it, I was just wondering. It, it, it's been kind of confusing, and I know that... Like, it, it sucks. I get the pay-per-view thing, but it sucks. But then again, at the same time, I've, I've always been the person that says, and I guess I shouldn't change now, but you can get five guys together and be able to get it for, and especially Cox subscribers in Oklahoma city. I mean, 35 bucks, you can go donate plasma. I'm sure that you can get 25 of that and then figure out another way to make 10, maybe give a ZJ or something. Well, I mean, if it's something that you love, it's something that you do. Right. I mean, why not just pay for it instead of bitch about it? You're going to pay, you're going to pay for it anyway. I do think the funny take of the people that are like, I'll just wait until 1 a.m. to watch it when they put it on YouTube. It's like, I could not do that. If if there was a Cubs game or a Thunder game, like if I had to wait until 3 a.m. to watch the Thunder game tonight, there would be no point. I would already know what happened. I don't know. I'm just, I've never been wired that way to go back and watch a, uh, like a tape delayed game. Like, why would I ever do that? Yeah, it'd be like oh, it, you can't it, do it now. And it's uh, no, for college football, a regular season game is like a, a playoff game. I mean, it is, even though it's Missouri yeah. State, and especially the opener for Spencer Rattler. Oh God, yeah. God, they really should let him talk to the media. Yeah. Yep. I agree. Next if week they want to sell to. some subscriptions. Like, just let Lincoln let him talk to the media. I don't think he will. That, but I mean, see how much he's learned from Jalen Hurts in that regard. 
I'll chain myself to Headington Hall until they allow us to talk to him. <laughs> I mean, we're not even get to see him in person the entire season. That's strange enough. They do. There have was. A, they have a thing. Literally, called... nobody in the entire world that was surprised by that, right? What that it was Spencer Rattler? Yes. No, I mean, no. Nobody was going out on the hot take limb, talking about Danner Mordecai. Certainly wasn't us because we kept saying he's missed a lot of practice. But when when Lincoln threw the seventy five percent out there, I was like, shit, he's missed a lot of practice. Like that's way more than I thought. (laughs) I think, and I think it's pretty easy to uh, like. He had the hamstring issue that kept him out. They took the break, and then he had another issue that, you know, they're not going to come out and say, but I think we can all agree that using our brains. He had the COVID. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I think that, that it's easy to say it. Which he, you know, smart play on his part. He waited longer than Spencer Rattler to get it, so he'll be immune through the season. We don't know about Rattler. He could be yeah, susceptible. Yeah, wasn't there some later. rumors that, that Rattler had it uh, coming in, possibly? Yes, when he, oh, they really? first reported. Yeah. Yeah. He was one of the positive tests, from what I was told. So do you think he gave it to Mordecai? I mean, let's just let's go down the rabbit no, the hole. the timeline was too far apart. He would have okay. He would have had it way too soon to, to pass it off to Mordecai. He sneezed into a cup it. and then covered it or it something? I can just see it now, 24-7 sports. Mordecai and Rattler sharing uh, needles to get COVID together. How did Jalen Hurts affect them? <laughs> I think so, that doesn't tie into Jalen Hurts, so that won't work at all. Who was but, it? Was it? Was it? The one thing. Was it? Uh, I'm sorry. Was it? Um, who was Mordecai working out with uh, Kevin Murray with? Chandler Morris. Oh, it was Chandler, Chandler Morris. Morris. So, yeah. Maybe they both had it. I've heard well, COVID hasn't go, uh, intercepted Highland Park. When when you go back to <laughs> what he said, that position group being gutted, I took it as meaning you need multiple quarterbacks on the practice field. I think it was quarterback that was hit hard and that there was only one left standing a couple weeks ago. I just don't believe – I know I, I don't agree with that, Bob. I, we, I I'm on record. <laughs> said multiple players on the field at the same time. That's not the quarterback. But you do position. for practice. You have to go through practice with like all five quarterbacks working out. I didn't get the oh, sense I, that I don't. I didn't from talking to Calvin Thibodeau today. I didn't get the sense that the defensive line had been hit like all at once. No, I mean i I kind of always thought it was the offensive line after Beatembo talked to us last week. Yep. Yeah, it definitely could have been that. I mean, he literally said that they would have had to start a bunch of freshmen. Because I mean, you I, can't, you cannot keep offensive linemen from hanging out with one another. They're kind of the only people of their type on a football team. Like offensive linemen are, they're a strange species, and they, I mean, Eddie, you've been around them socially, uh, like I have. They're they're kind of all the same person. This is a gross generalization that I won't stand for. <laughs> As this podcast resident, Josh, offensive line lover, I won't have any of this talk. I know for a fact before you were married and even in your dating days, you were you were pretty much a meathead. <laughs> you had meathead qualities. 
there was there was some meathead in there. I mean, but uh, you know, I also I'm listen not- to the same like arty music you did. So you know, I mean, we're we're right there. Yeah, but you like you have a weird sense of humor. It's a oh, that's true. it's a little meatheadish. <laughs> and that's just kind of how offensive linemen are just as a species. They're just different and they're they're aggressive um in any situation. Like offensive linemen don't know when to not be aggressive. See, this is spoken like a non-offensive lineman because I think most offensive linemen the reference point is defensive linemen. So you categorize yourself as refer- uh, relatively speaking, an offensive lineman is passive. But no, I see, get that's what you're just, saying. No, see, that's that's what people believe because they watch stupid movies like The Program where no, they make it out no. like the defensive guys are the, the crazy people. They are, I they mean, are the crazy people. Bryce Bray and Jacob Farrell don't uh, necessarily <laughs> lend to this uh, conversation as easy to get along with, I would think. Richie Incognito. I mean, there's, total, there's definitely total a scale, and Richie Incognito is definitely on one end of that spectrum. You know, th- th- we may have to call Gabe in again here because, I mean, I, I know – He's going to tell us what a pacifist Richie Incognito is. Like, I know that's going to happen for sure. I don't think he would prefer to comment in any shape or fashion on Richie Incognito. That's probably true, too. I mean, I've spent time around Tyler Lewan, too, or Taylor Lewan. I can't remember what it is. He's out there. Of course, he's had some incidents after games and stuff with people. I mean, they're just, they're, I'm not saying like you're dangerous. You're just different. And it's, it's aggressively different in situations that don't call for aggression, usually. Mm. Yeah, the, but then you have like defensive tackles like Randy Gregory and guys like that that are just. Well, I'm not talking about wife beating here. I mean. T- good. Tiffany was getting concerned. Anyway, I'll stop before everyone I know that's an offensive lineman stops talking to me. Yeah, make sure. I, I mean, I I hope that we find somebody that is a big Rex Burkhead fan and then really appreciates offensive line. Listens to this one. If you like Rex Bur- Burkhead, you probably like offensive linemen. Yeah, you, you probably do. That's a that's a good point, Bob. He's an offensive lineman playing running back i mean he just he was just <laughs> born into the wrong body and let us not forget where richie incognito played his college football at nebraska huh? that is Fair correct carrie's war on nebraska wow. will never stop no, look you're not gonna find any nebraska fans defending richie incognito <laughs> you're just not you are not by the way i'll say this for offensive linemen definitely not the weirdest group of athletes that's that's reserved for wrestling and wrestling alone yep those that's people are insane. Yep. I think that's probably fair. So, and again, that doesn't mean they're dangerous either. It just means they're a different breed. No, they're, they're wrestling wrestlers are dangerous. I would never <laughs> say that to a wrestler's face. <laughs> the thing I love about having a best friend that was a wrestler is we would be out on the town and all of a sudden he would just be on the ground wrestling someone. <laughs> like outside of 
like Edna's or something. It was always because someone had put gum in his hair or something. I mean, it's just always something weird. Take yeah, your trash but... bag off, dude. It's making me uncomfortable. <laughs> uh, the the best man in my wedding wrestled at OU for a while. Like I I've grown up around wrestlers, and those guys are they're scary because you don't see them coming. They're like, yeah, they're just kind of a wiry, skinny guy. Well, and that's then you're the like, whole oh, thing. God, he their kill whole me. mo is that they are standing across from someone else, and they mm-hmm. both know that they're going to do something to each other, and it's. This guy knows I'm going to do something. How do I do it? They're crafty as shit. Yes. Like I, like I said, a big football player, Richie Incognito, you know to get the hell out of the way. A wrestler, you're like, who's this little wiry piece of shit? And then, like, and half the time, and I, and I say this with all respect, wrestlers, you look a little strung out because they're they're <laughs> undernourished. Like, they look problematic. Yeah. So you're like, I'm little... likely to get stabbed here is the real problem. And then before you know it, you know, your arm's behind your, you know, ankle, and it's a real problem. So, yeah, it's a little, it's a, it's a different life that they've led. And I, I wrestled until I was in junior high, till ninth grade, because then mm-hmm. I realized there was fall baseball. So I was like, screw this wrestling stuff. Um, <laughs> I think I've told the story before. I wrestled. I was two and nine, and I beat a <laughs> uh, kid that didn't go to the same classes as all the normal people. And uh, then I just beat the shit out of some other kid. But two and nine. And then I realized that I could just stop uh, going to the weigh-ins but still get out of school. So I just show up to the wrestling tournament, take the bus over there, and hang out with my friends all day. And is that, and where, is that where your fascination with beating up 90-pound 8-year-olds or 8th graders comes from? My lawyer said that I can no longer talk about that on this podcast. <laughs> Uh, okay, uh, back to football. Back to football, as Dean Blevins once said. Um, so, <laughs> I remember that. By the way, how about that Channel 9 football special? How awkward was that? Just watching a bunch of people without masks as students were walking past them wearing masks. I, it would have been really funny if the like Norman police or the campus police, I'm surprised that they didn't. They probably have nothing else to do didn't like come harass him or something. It was just a bad look on a college campus. Like if you're doing that anywhere else, it's probably not noticing it. But when you have students walking past you all the time wearing masks, it was just weird. Anyway, um no, I think that was that's been the great thing about this week is that look, you you find out you have a starting quarterback, like, oh my God, that that this feels like football now. We we talked to Lincoln Riley we got to talk probably more football than we've talked to him. Uh, well, really, since signing day, maybe. Uh, and you get to talk to the coaches today. Shane Beamer, he's talking about his H-backs and his tight ends. You're talking to Calvin Thibodeau. He's talking about Perry on Winfrey. And that's the most anybody's talked about Perry on Winfrey uh, since he arrived on campus. Uh, and then you hear things about Laron Stokes. I mean, Bob uh, has a, his uh, notebook up right now uh, to kind of go over what was said, but I mean, it just continues, guys. Just just the good of preparing to watch football and play football. I mean, there's no really stopping this train now. They're, they're going to play a football. Unless Missouri State ends up with a 12-man roster because they had a massive COVID outbreak. I, I am particularly – and, Kerry, you kind of asked Shane about it just as far as, like, the H-back tight end position within the Lincoln-Riley offense, and I started thinking back to all the guys – that have been 
big playmakers for this offense. I, I, I think that that's going to be like one of the most important positions on the offense this year with a freshman quarterback, uh, an easy kind of dump down for Rattler. It's going to be really interesting. And then the other thing with Rattler is just the fact that when is the last time he started a football game? Has it been over a year and a half, I would imagine? Did he get suspended after the third or fourth game of the senior season? Well, Josh remembers because he had a trip planned to go see him. Yeah, (laughs) I had two trip plans. I was telling Tiffany about, you know, them announcing the start. I was like, it was the guy I was going to go see for Harvey, and then the guy I was going to go see, and he got suspended for the season. And she's like, oh, so we got a lot of video on him. I was like, yeah, we we really nailed it with him. Um, It didn't come to any rivals camps, didn't come to Five Star. Yeah, we were were a little jinx on Spencer Rattler. Finally got to see him at at the, well, it's not the Army game anymore. The All-American Bowl, I think, is what they call it. Now, I, I'll never get used to that. Um, Go yeah. to the opening when we're not allowed. Yeah, Lord. yeah. now that the doors are open, you know, that's all different. But, um, no, he's, like I said, I don't – this shouldn't have come as a surprise to anybody, and he's been the dude since – I. and I knew I liked him, but, you know, talking about seeing him at that All-American game, he was – he was incredible that day. And that's really the last time anybody saw him do anything that was even reasonably meaningful. And that was two years ago now, or I guess a year and a half ago. And, you know, like I said, I, I have every expectation he's going to have another huge year, you know, as everybody does at quarterback for Oklahoma these days. As far, as far as, as Rattler goes, I, I mean, you saw little glimpses, I guess the, the, you know, the touchdown to bridges and the in the South Dakota game, like, you can just tell the way that the ball comes off of his hand. It's a little bit different than everybody else out there. Yeah. And, I mean, just in that All-American game, it, it, you often see quarterbacks struggle in that thing. But it was like, I remember watching that game, like, you need to put Rattler back in because he's the only one doing jack squat. Like, he was he was really good in that game. And that doesn't happen a lot for quarterbacks. I can't yeah, remember who they kept Trevor shuffling Lawrence with him with. picked off twice. Once involving Buki, and we were all concerned, convinced Buki was a superstar at that point. That was, you know, and Trevor Lawrence wasn't anybody compared, you know, speaking for somebody in this podcast. But uh, I never said he was shit. <laughs> I just said I like Justin Fields better. Uh, I'm still in that camp. I still like Fields, Fields better. Josh, you can't fire him for that. I I I was thinking if if that was actual breach of contract you. or or what that what that might fall under, but that's fine. Um, now, uh, with, with like I said, with Rattler, he was. Um, I I think the telling thing is when you would talk to people about him, like this spring, this summer, even into this fall, the conversation when you would talk about, well, you know, what what does it look like between Spencer and Tanner? The dead giveaway in these situations are like. Tanner's such a great kid, man. He's just such a great kid. And you're like, I know where this is going. Like, you know, like, it's just like, it's just not the same. Like, as good as Tanner Mordecai can be, and he could start at Oklahoma in a lot of situations. He's just not Spencer Rattler. I mean, there's very few, as many talented quarterbacks as Oklahoma's had come through, when you hear people talk about him, there's not many guys that can throw it like he throws it. Look, there was one, there's one thing about Tanner Mordecai that kind of lost me a little bit, and that is when he's coming in mop-up situations, he hasn't done all that great. 
He just hasn't. Like with that San Diego game was it San Diego State or just San or not? Uh, who am I? South, South Dakota. Dakota. That mm. South Dakota game, like they threw Mordecai out there and they were fine, but they put Rattler in and he was making throws. Like you were like, whoa, look at this kid. Like you, I've never had a whoa moment really with Mordecai. Maybe one or two throws, but that was the strange thing about the the Peach Bowl. I expected Rattler to come in and actually lead the team down the field uh and he went three and out i think so but that was the other thing i mentioned that uh this morning talking to uh serious uh gabe and those guys like you forget what a big deal that was that that spencer rattler came in first after jalen hurts and lincoln didn't want to make a big deal about it after the game but that was a big deal that's a huge deal. You had the Tanner Mordecai face that was on TV that people took screenshots of, and Riley's ex- explanation of, oh, if you got a first down, then Tanner was coming in, and that's just so convenient. <laughs> Nobody they, believed he, he came that. came in yeah. at first, first and 20, and they didn't get the first. Yeah. That, was, that was an all-time explanation. Yeah. <laughs> That's like saying the next play would have been a touchdown if we just could have got a first down. I had it yeah, drawn up. Been. That's almost as good as when they when Cole Trickle's crew chief told him he put on special tires. I'm the only one that's going to know what the hell you're talking about, but I'm really for it. <laughs> there you go. That's because you're an offensive lineman. Well, what does that say about you, meathead? Oh, I'm a, I was a catcher, dude. <laughs> okay all right all right i identify i self-identify so as meathead all right so be it uh i never said i had anything against meatheads i get I mean, along it with sounded just a fine. little it sounded a little derogatory you know like it's i mean i can step out of myself and judge myself you said meathead with a hard m and it just wasn't it wasn't good i wasn't comfortable with it all right i uh, like bitter memories well it did. and guys one of the things that's come up on the boards uh and i think i should address this is just kind of you know you mentioned josh the the you were getting ready to go out there to see spencer uh, spencer rattler i almost said sanders what podcast are we on uh you went out there to see you were scheduled to go out there and see spencer rattler and espn was televising that game i think weren't they yeah yep, yep. and so uh all of a sudden, it became a mystery, and he wasn't going to play. And I think even you were told, like, he hurt his knee or something. That was what – and I, I, to his credit, Spencer is the one that reached out and was like, hey, I'm not going to be – I'm not going to be able to play on Thursday because, he, you know, he knew I was coming, and we'd had conversations about it. And so, you know, like I said, to his credit, he let me know. But I, I – it was one of those things where I think I put something on the board, like, guys, doesn't look like I'm going – this is what's happened, and then within like an hour, it starts breaking. Like, no, this was not an injury. There's nothing. There's something more substantial. And at that point, I literally didn't hear from Spencer again until I spoke to him in San Antonio. So, I mean, and, and that leads to a lot of questions. I mean, I remember I stayed up and waited until two a.m. When QB one came out, just because I wanted to see if they addressed it and what, how they addressed it and what was said. And uh, so I sat there and watch and watch and watch and you go to, you know, you're skimming through all the episodes just to get Rattler stuff and you don't care about the other quarterbacks. I couldn't even tell you the other quarterbacks that were in it. 
still to this day. Um, and so I finally see them address it, and they don't address it. They don't? They don't really address They just won't. They just said, you know, he was suspended. We don't want to get into the reasonings behind it, and you know, that's just for us or whatever. It's a family matter. So they never said why he got suspended. I just so I ended up putting that out there, but it it did lead everyone to question and some of the things that happened in the episode where he was kind of a jerk to you know some of his teammates or it seemed that way. Uh, it was just puzzling the way he acted sometimes, and you're wondering, okay, who is this guy really? Like he's been suspended. Does he have an attitude problem? I, you know, you really couldn't, you, you didn't get the sense that he was just a dick from watching it, but you didn't get the sense that he was also a real mature, you know, guy that was looking out for his teammates either. So, like, it was interesting, Bob. I thought that Lincoln said he just, just unannounced, basically, talk started talking about how much Spencer Rattler has matured since he's got here. Yeah, but I think that's really been the big question about him is not that he doesn't have the physical tools it's could he mentally get it all together and be a, a leader because that's what he's gonna have to be and, and that's why you know the year behind Jalen Hurts that's supposed to be the biggest thing that Jalen Hurts does for OU is make Spencer Rattler breed him into a different type of, of uh, quarterback and now we're gonna see if, if that happens because it, uh, it even felt like after the announcement yesterday, there's still that divisiveness of people wondering, well, is he nice to some and he's a dick to others? And is he going to, is the locker room going to be one way or the other? And it's, it doesn't, you still don't have that feeling of a united front. And that's why I think it was important for Riley to sort of try to put that out there to end it before it even starts. It's kind of interesting that, like, you're. We're, I don't think Oklahoma will ever have another guy like a Baker Mayfield, as far as the uh, charismatic, just like wants to do media. It seemed uh, outgoing, uh, but then again, I don't think that we're ever going to see somebody that is as closed and locked down as Jalen Hurts. It's like two complete ends of the spectrum, and that's why I like when the when the confidence stuff comes up and like, is he arrogant? Is he a dickhead? It. I mean. Let's not get it wrong. Kyler Murray is pretty confident within himself. In fact, I would say he's probably about as, I don't know if arrogance is the right word, but sure of himself as anybody I've ever been around. I, I think that Spencer Rattler, people are just, those guys are just, that's just the way they kind of handle themselves, isn't it? Is that the easiest way to say it? Like, f- those high school kids. He doesn't have to talk to them. I think there's something to... Guys in high school, and not all guys, but some guys are like, you're you're not on my level, and it's hard for them to get past that. Like, if you were better, I wouldn't have to do all the things I do. And that's maybe sure. not the message you want to convey, but people always act when they run into a guy like Spencer Rattler like this is some novel thing. It's, it's not. It's fairly normal. I deal with this a lot because I deal with a lot of high school kids that are one great player on an otherwise very mediocre team. And they, they, I mean, I'm sure that's, I, I wouldn't know anything about it. I was the mediocre parts. So, like, I wouldn't know anything about that life. But, like, I'm sure that is a difficult thing to deal with that I have to carry more of this load just because I'm a better player than you are. And that's, I think it would be hard for that not to mess with your point of view a little bit. And let's face it, where he was playing football, it's not like he was playing in Texas or Florida where, 
someone could make him look bad, you know, on a regular basis. Like, he would look at another team and see it, someone that was his caliber, that had all the offers that he had. I mean... Oh, yeah. And even no in doubt. Texas, I mean, a lot of those guys are generational at, at, at a lot of schools, but, you know, when you're playing... Uh, you know, there. It's not uncommon, Josh, for you to run into a team that has like eleven D one prospects on it. Oh yeah. Oh, I mean, like when I go up to Oklahoma, there's a there's plenty of games where I'm like, man, you know, like it. I, and I've said for years, it's hard for people in Oklahoma when they get into these arguments. Why do know you recruit Oklahoma more? If you watch, if you only watch Oklahoma high school football, you don't really understand. And then you go, like, I can go anywhere in Houston on almost any given Friday night. And I'm going to run into a couple of D1 caliber athletes. Now they may not, you know, they may not go that way from grades or you know just being overlooked or whatever it may be. There's a hundred reasons why they wouldn't. But there are guys of that caliber. Most nights in Oklahoma, you're not seeing a Division One football player. That that's just not the way the numbers work out. So it, it's hard for people to understand that. And Arizona's no different. I've been out there and watched their high school games. I went out and watched Mark Andrews years ago. It's pretty much the same deal. They are. They are going to have to deal with the fact that most nights they are the only player on their field who is going to go on and play Division One football. And I guess I'm just trying to say that I can see how that messes with your with your head if you're a kid, sure, and, and gives you a, a you know inflated sense of self or whatever, however you want to term it. So I I don't I, think it's I don't think it's 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 necessarily that Spencer Rattler's a shithead or that he was a bad kid. I just think that, you know, he was a normal, you know, 16, 17-year-old kid that had all these scholarship offers, had any could go anywhere he wanted. Uh, when he stepped on a football field, he was always the best player on the football field. I think it's probably important to note, too, that sometimes through those documentaries, I think that guys and narratives and opinions of kids are probably shaped with how they're portrayed. And sometimes that's probably not always the case. I would I'd just throw that out there as well. And, you know, just watching that QB1 thing, I kind of want a little bit of shithead in my quarterbacks. I think that's a good thing. Maybe not Chris Robinson shithead, <laughs> but maybe a little bit more Baker Mayfield shithead, and you're fine with it. Well, that's the other thing that you can't ignore is that we were kind of going through the Chris Robinson stuff at the time, too. So it's like, does Lincoln Riley really need another problem child on his team? Sure. And I, I would also add that, like, unless something has happened that I have never heard of, I haven't heard of anything, you know, big on Rattler out of North. No, as far I haven't as either. Troublemaker or anything like that. And, oh, by the way, he's also really f***ing good at football. So he kind of gets a free pass on on some stuff. I'll say, I mean, Chris Robinson is just such an odd, just occurrence. Because it's not often, like quarterbacks the expectation for a quarterback is that he is he has his shit together he is the leader everyone looks to him like i i wonder like how does that happen with someone like chris robison that he literally is a movie from a you know 90s college football movie he he was the zeke pike of his year i mean there's just no other way to say it every other year there's a kid i think zeke pike wasn't he could good, probably though. go through the rivals 100 and he's just doesn't get it he's never held accountable for his actions and then he just continues to slide down that path and yeah it's a it's a telltale like don't be that guy's story for the next class is it not 
Yeah, no, I I think that's absolutely the case. And Kerry's right. I mean, Zeke Pike just never should have had the status he did. But uh, Robinson was a good player. And, you know, like when I would talk to him, I mean, I talked to Chris a lot. And I, I know Bob talked to him plenty as well. I never got like, I mean, I never got the feeling that like he was, you know, the rock his church was built on. But, like, he was a good kid. Like, he didn't give me any problems. He was, you know, pretty good about if he said he would talk to me at X time, he'd meet me then. You know, he, he had some sense of responsibility, those kind of things. But I will say what Eddie said that I do think is right is no one ever held him accountable. Every time Chris got in trouble, it was somebody else's fault. Somebody else did it. Somebody, like, the crazy girlfriend, it's all on her. And I'm like, if you keep going back to the crazy girlfriend, at some point the crazy girlfriend doesn't seem that crazy. Like she's you're as much a problem as she is and so like there there was always this excuse for him and the way he would do things and you're like man at some point especially as a quarterback you've got to understand you the buck stops with you everything comes back to you and that's got to carry over to literally everything else that just comes with being a quarterback has that become the new thing because everybody tried to blame dalton wood's girlfriend or baby mom or whatever on his situation um, Dalton Wood was interesting because I, there definitely was like, he, he, the girl, he wanted to be with the girl, but I, I, everybody I ever talked to was like, he, he just wouldn't do it. Like he wouldn't make up his mind to, that it was okay to be an hour and a half away from her. Um, you know, so I mean, and, and I also heard, heard that he just happy, did not, fine. he didn't want to, he didn't want to work that hard. Yep. Yeah, uh, I that, think that's, that's part what of it. I always heard. He wants to hunt and fish on the weekends and go to practice during the week. Yep. He thought that would be okay. Well, he was so absurdly good. I mean, I, Bob, I don't know if you were at that game, but I know Bob. Uh, Car- or, yeah, God, Noble. I'll get there. Eddie was at that crazy Lot and Matt game where he was just incredible. He was just a superhero. Um, it, it's to this day probably one of the, I would say, top five high school games I've ever been to in my entire life. Yep, because who was the the quarterback from uh, Mac that went somewhere? Uh, Will Will Collins. Yeah, yep. that's exactly right. You got yep. it. I can't I tell you who bet, my. I have so much knowledge of useless high school players. <laughs> you can always come to me. Don't I worry. can tell you who my Texas most kind of WTF college career like i he was so good in high school and just had a horrible high school i don't know who my oklahoma guy would be you mean like a texas high school player that went to oklahoma and just had a weird bizarre career well adrian tonnell is who i'm thinking of yeah yeah well i mean we get to own that one together you loved his high school game and i voted i thought he was gonna have a great year speaking of fearless 20 predictions um, like he was going to break out in that final year. Yep. I, I no. Do you not? Oh God! I get that every year. I predicted he was going to go over a thousand yards a senior year. I thought he was going to have a huge year. Finally, kind of break out and be that. Dude. Well, all we heard leading up to the season was that he had just an unbelievable camp and was a totally yep. different player and caught everything. And then AD Miller, he was the original AD Miller. <laughs> he was so much better than AD Miller in high he school. Was. Adrian Tanell, like, I mean, that was a Rivals 100 guy. He was a big, big deal when OU got him and just didn't do anything. He didn't even have, like, a Quentin Chaney moment. Like, a lot of these guys that we joke about, like, Quentin Chaney no, had those he great didn't. games. No. In the, 
You know, like yep. in, even when, uh, when Malcolm Kelly uh, was out in the Fiesta Bowl, Quentin Cheney yeah. almost saved that game. Well, they got their ass kicked yep. anyway. But. but, I mean, he played well. Uh, Jeff Mead had the great game against Iowa State. Like, you have these guys that have these moments. Adrian Tunnell, for all his talent, he never had a moment. I nope. guess he had – what did he, have, did he have a touchdown catch in that Big 12 championship game against Nebraska? Like, I want to say – I think that's right, yeah. Something like that, yeah. But, I mean, other than that, I can't think of any moment in his career that stood out other than my just awful prediction and people wearing me out for the next 15 years about it. I mean, I think probably Stephen Good might be right up there, too. Yeah. <clears throat> Steven, I can never tell where the back ended and it just, he wasn't as good as we thought he was. Like, there, there's some, there's some middle ground in there somewhere where things went wrong and I can't ever place exactly where it was. Well, RJ Washington, same class. Um, oh. Yep. And then don't even mention Jeremy Calhoun. Uh, what a horrible group of five stars. I think, I think with Steven Good, Josh, what it was, he was so physically dominant in high school. When he when he got to college, no one realized that he didn't have the athleticism because it, probably he didn't need that. to show that athletic. And you know how it is when you're that big and powerful. Oh yeah, and you're going against and coaches are probably just putting a dummy there because they know whoever's there is just wasting their time. I mean, that's kind of like we've talked about it before. That's kind of like what R.J. Washington was. He he didn't even have to play football his senior year, basically. Yeah, no, you're you're absolutely right, man. You mentioned that group of five stars, carrying. it just got me looking. Uh, when when rivals hit in the 2008 class, it hit big. Tyron Smith was a five-star. Julio Jones was a five-star. Uh, A.J. Green was a five-star. I mean, so you're talking about some Hall of Fame-type players. And then you've got Jeremy Calhoun. Uh, Arthur Brown was a five-star that year. Dane Christ. Oh, God. Dane Christ. Dane Christ. Um Michael Florida had a nice career at Notre Dame. It didn't really do much in the NFL, but you, you can't fault rivals too much for that one. That one's not bad. But, I mean, there are some dogs in here. Devere Posey. Um, oh, wow. Blaine Gabbert. Blaine Gabbert's oh. a great one. Uh, I argued for him that he should have been a five-star, and I thought for just a minute I had it right. But Oh, and then uh, Patrick Peterson. I, I almost missed him. Uh, because he's Patrick Johnson at this time in the rivals rankings. He was our number five overall guy that year. And, of course, number one was Terrell Pryor. I mean, uh, I can't, I mean, if you, if you rate someone a five star, uh, and they actually extend their, they're so athletically talented that they extend their NFL careers by switching positions. I don't call that a miss. It it's like the people that will give us shit about Bryce Brown. Bryce Brown basically didn't play football for two years and then went on and played like four years in the NFL. Don't tell me he wasn't talented. Like don't yeah. don't that that's there are like one percent of the one percent that can do that. He was freaking talented, but I think it took Bryce a while to wake up, like and realize that being talented wasn't enough. God, what was the Arthur and Bryce Brown handler's name? Brian Butler. Brian Butler. God. I can still remember sitting in Brian Butler's, um, like, uh, ba- not. I mean, it wasn't a basement because it was. It was. It was filled out like he'd had it carpeted and everything. But like sitting down there and waiting to go meet all the guys during one of their little workouts and everything. Like, I used to talk to Butler all the time, and I think that's why I'm so scarred 
by all the handlers and everything. I was like, <laughs> I got in too deep with that, and now it just terrifies me that every guy is going to be that scandalous. Didn't I'm, you go to a Top Golf with Brian Butler one time? <laughs> <laughs> I deserve that. I deserve that. I'll own it. No, it was. You know, we all make mistakes. It's important we learn from them and never do dumb shit again. So, um, yeah, that's. Uh, did you that ever? Was, did was, you go, ever go buy a cell phone from him? No, I did not. I did not. But I did stay that trip up. I stayed in the worst days in hotel in Wichita, Kansas. I have ever been a part of. Like I to the point I would not sleep. Uh, like I laid out all my clothes and laid on my clothes. Like I was very concerned. I was in bad. What was bad it you way. told me about him one time, or maybe Brent told us one time? Venables, like he went to go see Arthur Brown, and he looked up in the stands. And uh, Brian Butler was like babysitting like Randy Shannon's kids or something like that. <laughs> it wouldn't stun me. I mean that Brian was a nice guy. He truly was. But I mean, there there was just like, and he would talk about you know, and it's it's why like I don't know how to who to trust because he would talk about oh I'm you know I'm here for the families and blah 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 and you're like uh, okay. But then, you and know, then he started a premium and, website. Yes, trying to sell the brown information. And to his credit, it only took him about a month to realize how ugly that looked. Like that was a bad, bad look. And so he pulled that down fairly quickly. But I think by then everybody kind of knew what the score was. And he was of the opinion that there were just going to be guys like the Brown brothers coming out of Wichita every year. And I'm like, dude, that, that's <laughs> not that's not going to happen. Yeah, when the one of the best players to ever come out of Wichita is the guy that went to Iowa State. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that everybody just kind of glossed over when they came to see Marcus Hicks. Yep, they had the Cameron Wembley kid. Um, Barry Sanders wasn't bad. Yeah, no. I mean, well, I'm talking know, recent history. I mean, there weren't there the weren't even no internets when Barry about, was there. What about what about the the motherfucking belldozer? I mean, he's, he's still a Super Bowl in, champion. Still we need to put league, some respect yeah. on that name. I, hey. I went and saw him play. I was there at, what was it, Bishop? Yeah, we were this. It was pre-Eddie. Uh, Carroll. Scoop HD, pre-Eddie. I mean. Yeah, that wasn't, that wasn't no HD. That was, that was, it was DV. Was Bishop Carroll. That's what it was. I kept wanting to say yeah. that Capoon Mount Carmel, but I knew that wasn't right. Green and yellow. Yep, it was. Ooh, ooh. I mean, no offense to Blake, but that was the moment when I was like, I don't have to see more Kansas high school football. I'm pretty good on this front. Sherry's going to kick your ass now. Yeah. He's got a great family. I love I love Sherry Bell. She's They're the best. Awesome. Yeah. Um, all right. So, well, let's just talk about your recent trip, Josh. I mean, you came to Oklahoma. Uh, Bob... You know, you get you and Eddie have been out there. Why don't you guys just kind of tell people what you've seen lately? Uh, and you know, we've talked a lot about the summit. If you didn't know, I wrote a big article with Carl Williams. Go check that out on the website. Um, look, look, can we start there real quick and just kind of backpedal from there with uh, with Josh's and Bob's uh, high school games? Anything that you didn't put in the story that came to mind when talking about the Williams family, Carrie? Yeah. I mean, it was, you can't put everything in a story. It just doesn't flow well, just trying to fit in little nuggets and stuff. Um, but his time with Kamar Wheaton 
he was very uh, complimentary of Kamar and his coach and said he really enjoyed getting a chance to to talk to him and, and uh, felt good about where things were. Of course, did it, was it right after the visit he released his top three? It was. What, was it that Monday? Yep. Yes. It was. It was yep. that, that mm-hmm. late, late that Monday. That, that midnight. 12.48 yeah. in the morning. Yes. Uh, and, and Josh, you can talk about that real quick because it was, you know, you expected it to be OU in Alabama, and then boom, LSU was added in there. Texas was not in there, which I don't, I haven't even seen how they've handled that. Um, but what did you think of that top three? Well, it, it did. I mean, it surprised me. The LSU inclusion, I, I heard earlier in the day, and the, really, the news to me was that Texas wasn't part of it. It really, because all I've all I've heard for the last month is Oklahoma or Texas, Oklahoma or Texas. Because at one point there was a bunch of SMU buzz with him um, due to his friendship with uh, with some of the people in that class uh, at SMU. But as I talked to more and more people, it was Oklahoma or Texas. Well, as you started to hear a rumor, really, it started off as as Wheaton's going to throw a curveball, like he's going to do something. One of the schools everybody's thinking is going to be left off. And somebody asked me about it on the board, and I said, listen, if it's Oklahoma and X or Texas and X, pick opposite of X. Like, I don't even care who it is. Oklahoma or Texas would be shocking if it's not one of those two schools. So now that Alabama and LSU are in it, that doesn't really change anything for me. I still think Oklahoma is absolutely the favorite in this race because I continue to hear that he doesn't want to go that far from home. He's got a a good tight-knit circle, and Oklahoma's an easy drive for his family to come up and see him. LSU is not that far, far away, but it's considerably farther than Oklahoma. Yeah. And Alabama, obviously, is just uh, it's a serious haul. So I, I think Oklahoma's in really good shape. As I've talked about, I still think there is some, uh, just some connection that needs to be made between he and DeMarco Murray. I've even heard some rumors that he may decide here before too long, maybe before the start of their season there at Lakeview Centennial. So there is, there's a lot kind of up in the air because, like we always talk about, Wheaton doesn't say much. So you don't really know what's real, what's not. But from what I've gathered, like I said, I think Oklahoma's absolutely the favorite. But anytime Alabama and LSU are involved, you've, you've got to you know kind of have your guard up a little bit. Yeah, I mean, it's not something that, I'm sure OU fans don't like seeing that, and they don't. If they don't know, they're probably like, eh, "That probably isn't going to happen." So yeah, it's just it's just it's a pairing that you'd rather avoid. But sure. it's be- well, I, I would say it's better than it being Alabama, OU, and Texas. Absolutely, because I, I think the primary competition has been has been taken out of it. I think Alabama and LSU, as good as they are at recruiting, and obviously Alabama stung OU late last year with Jason McClellan. I mean, there, there's a lot to look at there. But I don't. I think they're kind of playing with one hand tied behind their back. They've got to constantly overcome the issue, while Oklahoma just gets to recruit and just doesn't have to be like, well, we know you're worried about this, but they don't have to add the but. They just get to sell what they have to sell, while Alabama and LSU have to overcome that distance. Um, what I, I another thing I do want to add because I'll forget it, uh, and it's kind of connected to the summit. I have also heard that it's very possible that Tristan Lee will be going to LSU this weekend or next weekend for a, a visit as well. It's incredibly interesting how he can continue to make these trips to LSU while it's so difficult to visit other places. But it does sound like that's going to happen again. I, I think it says, A, LSU 
knows that that Oklahoma trip made a big impact. I think if people were betting right now, I think they'd bet on LOU, but it's real tight. But if he makes that trip, then you might go back to even or, you know, LSU back on top because he gets to go down there. And even though he's not around the coaches, it's just like the Oklahoma trip in a lot of ways. He gets to be around the people. And, you know, I'm sure there are plenty of LSU fans who are going to be aware he's there and make sure he knows, you know, they want him and those kind of things. So it'll be interesting to see how that whole thing works out. But like I said, I think it's a sign that Oklahoma has really made an impact. And it may indicate that maybe Tristan Lee is not that far away from a decision because to take that trip now, it feels like a guy that's just trying to have a comparison between the two schools that seem to have emerged for him. Okay, back Josh, back to, to what you to, were back to what you're talking about, uh, Eddie. I, I will say this too about you know what wasn't in the article or what I didn't explain. You know, one of the big quotes about you know Lincoln Riley him him telling him, uh, you know, if he didn't offer him that uh, they might end up there anyway um, because if they if they decide that that's the best place to go, like it was so it was so strange because that came out of a question I asked him, which was. Uh, you know the last three Heisman Trophy winners, the last three number one uh, draft picks, all were transfers. Uh, they didn't end up where they started out. And I said, "Does that ever enter your mind? Does that ever concern you? Do you think about that when you look at recruiting? Does that make you look at things harder?" And that pretty much gave him the opportunity to kind of explain his philosophy on everything. And that's kind of where that quote was born out of. But he was basically saying, you know, we put a spreadsheet together, and I really wish I would have asked to see the, a copy of the spreadsheet, what kind of things he he chose to categorize. Um, but, yeah, they just, they were very analytical about it. Uh, and they're, you know, they're not concerning themselves with, you know, what's happened in the past with quarterbacks. And, of course, if you're going to pick a place, you might as well pick the place if you think you're going to end up transferring or, you know, Spencer Rattler gets established and who knows what happens with, you know, I mean, you got to think Spencer Rattler's not, if he develops like you think, this whole no eligibility being wasted year won't matter whatever, you know, whatsoever with him. Uh, he'd just go pro when he can go pro if he feels like he's going to be drafted high. So um, they, they're just not worrying about that stuff. They, they're just trying to pick the best place for Caleb uh, and not worrying about if he doesn't play here or there immediately. Like, they really feel like Oklahoma meets all the criteria for Caleb and is the best place for him, and that's why they're coming here. I've, I've read, uh, and I'll, I'll give him credit, I, I thought 55 on the board brought up a pretty good point just as far as the branding opportunities, seeing kind of how... I don't know. Trevor Lawrence has surrounded himself at Clemson and what he's become as far as, uh, you know, when the NIL stuff, NIL stuff is passed. I, I found that side to be rather interesting. And it's obviously a set of parents that, you know, are very hands on as far as looking out for the best in their kid and knowing if we put in work right now, you know, he puts together a historic class at Oklahoma in this 2021 group. It's going to pay off down the line. It would yeah. pay off for everybody down the line to go win a national championship or to win a Heisman Trophy or to, you know, all the opportunities that are presented by being a member of the University of Oklahoma football program. It, it, it's kind of fascinating to see uh, that 
line of thinking from parents? Because I don't think that that's something that you've necessarily seen over the last 10 or 15 years. Yeah, I mean, it's it's every, everything they do is calculated. I mean, sure. you know, they have a plan. And I, I think that could probably also be a, I don't know, we'll just have time will tell, but I could see how that could also be argued as being a bad thing, too, as far, and not maybe not a bad thing, but maybe not, I don't know, not preparing him to handle adversity as well as you possibly could if you're doing it the other way. But this is also coming from a 33-year-old without kids, so... I'm not really here to judge on how people are parenting. I'm and I'm not trying to do that at all. Well, and I will say this too. Um to me the fact that they're not looking to transfer his high school. I mean, like they're paying for him to go to that school. It's not like a scholarship program like IMG where it could get paid sure. for. Uh and it was interesting. I did I think I put that in the article how IMG had called them last week uh you know inquiring and Josh had mentioned to me like that would piss some people off uh, that are there already uh, just to know that. But uh, the fact that they're not looking to go somewhere else, they're not looking to transfer. They 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 didn't talk about coming to Oklahoma. Like that kind of shows you like the plan for him was to go to Gonzaga. That was the school he could have gone all these other places. He could have had places pay for it, but they felt like that was the best place for their son to be in his development and to get where he wants to go and he even paid for it to make it happen like he didn't care like that was the best place and he said the same thing about Oklahoma so you really do get the sense like he's not going to come here and get frustrated if Spencer Rattler is starting for you know two years or whatever like of course you know by the time he gets here he'd only really if Rattler's as good as we think he could be, he'd just have one year, then he'd be gone. But I don't, I don't, I don't see this being a a helicopter dad situation. If you made it out to be that way, like from everything, I know it's just one really detailed conversation I had with his dad, but I really get the sense that they say what they mean and they stick to what they decide. So. Bob, if you want to kind of hit up on kind of your travels and, and kind of take it over and just hit some recruiting stuff, that'd be great too. Josh, let, let's go back to running back just for a second because we all know Kamar Wheaton is the, the big point of focus. Is OU the token finalist for LJ Johnson who put out his top four last night? Yeah, it, it certainly feels like that. And, you know, with – LSU, I mean, everybody kind of assumes with LJ Johnson that it's Texas and A&M, and I think that's probably how it plays out. But LSU has a – they've got a chance in there. They, they make some sense. But Oklahoma, I mean, this is a guy, like I said, even back when visits were allowed, he had multiple trips kind of like, oh, yeah, I'm going to go. He and I would talk, and, yeah, I'm going to be up there this week or the next week or whatever, and he just kept not taking the trip. Usually that's a pretty good sign of where things are. Now there are – there are other situations, but this felt like just a guy that does like Oklahoma, but they just weren't that serious of an option for him. So I think that is I, – I, I was surprised that he didn't just cut it to three. I don't even know why Oklahoma got left into it. Now, I will say it tells you Oklahoma is still having some communication with him, and they're not closing that door. But I think Oklahoma is absolutely full speed ahead with Kamara Wheaton 
and to a lesser degree Donovan Edwards, the running back from Michigan, uh, who they'd love to get on campus if they if they can. And I think if they could, they might have a shot because when I talk to people. Uh, Josh Hemholt, some of the other guys up there. It sounds like Oklahoma's made a big impression on him, but he's not going to go to Oklahoma sight unseen. And so I think unless he can make that trip, it's hard to see that coming together. But if he could, then maybe something happens. So, like I said, at the same time, I don't think Oklahoma is dying for him to do that until they know what Kamara is doing because Kamara is their priority. And then, you know, we're definitely getting a chance to hit the road. High school season's starting. Uh, and we're learning that COVID is definitely going to be in in play. I would look and see Deer Creek open its season last week. COVID affected the other team they were playing. So instead, they have a scrimmage. Thinking about going to see Norman North this week with Parker Andrews. Now we find out Norman Norman North is canceled so adjusting of course is going to be the name of the game this season did get a chance to 2022 deer creek offensive lineman jacob sexton and what he said really stood out he said he's developed an aggressive nasty streak and you can finally see it you can finally see him being that overwhelming dominating presence that he looks like he should be and it's coming out on on tape and i know josh you'll you'll get a chance to see him Thursday, I know, Eddie, you saw him a couple of weeks ago, so within a span of three, three weeks, we're all going to get a chance to sort of see what he's all about. But when we saw him in Durant, you could tell, you know, he's just not that far away from, like, a Calvin Banks or Cam Dewberry. And, you, you know, the, the, the baby fat is gone, and it just seems like he's transformed into a much different guy now. My, my biggest question mark with him, Bob, was going to be, you know, is he kind of nasty? And I know that the Edmund Memorial doesn't have very much up front, but he was just fucking murdering guys the entire night. And uh, I, just knowing that he has, he still has an entire junior season ahead of him, I'm very excited to see where he ends up as far as the national conversation. I, I mean, Josh, I, I was kind of blown away, and I know that we're going to try and go see him again this week. I'm uh, kind of excited for you to see him in person. Yeah, he's a guy I'm anxious to have a look at because in the camp settings, Jacob's good. Like he, He's definitely a good player, a guy that you see as a four-star type of player. But he's one of those guys that I think he's going to make him, you know, make his name being that physical guy. He's going to have to get after people because he's a good athlete, but like when you stand him next to like a Cam Dewberry or somebody like that, he doesn't move quite the same. But... If he can be physical, if he can get out there on blocks, if he can work to the second level, do all those little things, then there's no reason that he can't pick up more and more and more offers because he's got the body type. And like you guys have said, it sounds like he's made a real step. And I see that on tape, or at least on the tape that we got. But I am anxious to just finally get a chance to watch him really just play football. Camps are so different. The the mindset is very different so i just want to have a chance to watch him a little closer and like i said continue to watch his feet because i think as his feet get better he will just climb and climb in the rankings and i would i would also add just as far as the footwork stuff i know that i've talked to him even way back when uh ou offered him big time wrestlers so that only has to be a positive in that regard absolutely that there there is nothing any any dads with young, you know, as Carrie would put it, young meatheads out there, 
get them wrestling. Like that, that is a good marriage. Wrestling and uh, football so Josh, can work very the well. First half of your trip back up to the state, who are you going to check out Friday? Uh, yeah, like like you said, going to see uh, Sexton, and then on Friday night, move and see another 2022 in-state offer. Uh, going to go up to Stillwater and watch um, the Pioneers take on Edmund Santa Fe and Talon Shetron, Oklahoma's big wide receiver offer in state. And it's my first chance to see Shetron in a live game, which is just crazy to think about. Last year, I just didn't get a chance to. And as a freshman, really, we were probably the first people to put eyes on him because I had him come down to one of our rivals camps before he was really a big name. And you knew then he was going to be pretty good. But it just seeing him uh, last, I guess it was two months ago now in, in Durant, watching where he was then and thinking about just like a year and a half had passed, he is developing at a rapid rate, and I can't wait to watch him. Hopefully, go against uh, Stillwater's wider, or excuse me, defensive back commitment Tevin Williams that is currently committed to Baylor. Seeing two quality guys go against each other—that's kind of what we were talking about earlier. You don't get to see that a lot, so seeing Talon get challenged a little bit, see somebody get physical with him, and how he kind of deals with that because that's the style of play Williams likes. He wants to get his hands on you. He wants to rough you up a little bit. And I want to see how Shetron can handle that because that's just something most guys are not going to do to him because they're not big enough and strong enough to even try it. So we'll learn a lot about him on Friday night. And like I said, that's one of the games, uh, when I saw it on the schedule, I kind of had to change some things last week, and I saw that I had an opening that Friday night, and that game just worked perfectly for what we were wanting to see. Well, Josh, sees 2022. I'm in 2023 mode this week, and check out Millwood. Heritage Hall Thursday night. Check out the Fal- Falcons running back. Ricky Hunt, a lot of good things you hear about him. Also someone who plays for Team Griffin in terms of basketball. It's another two-sport prospect there. And then uh, Mustang, UConn, you got to move to Saturday, but still going Saturday. Jacoby Johnson, a chance to see him in real-life game action. You know, the scrimmage a couple, couple weeks ago, I didn't think, was the best showcase of what he can do. So see him play corner, see him play running back, and just get just get a taste of how elite this 2023 group should be from within the state. All right. Uh, anything else you guys want to hit on recruiting-wise? No. It, it, I mean, I you know. So. I, I, well, I it's so weird not having visits. Grinding it's weird when you get to game week and you're thinking, Who's visiting? That doesn't even exist now. Yeah, yeah. I I will say, you know, for those that don't follow it closely, this is the week when uh, coaching staffs around the country could begin to contact the junior class on September first every year. That's when the juniors come into play and can be called and text message, and you can have all the the full opening of contact. And you know, just talking to a lot of players, I think Oklahoma did a really good job, kind of picking their spots, really getting out and contacting a lot of different players. Uh, talking to guys like Gentry Williams. I know OU was right there at the first to talking to him, Relique Brown, Talon Shetron, who we've already talked about. Um, you know, just go down the list. There are a lot of guys that Oklahoma clearly made a priority and, you know, I, I think are continuing to build good relationships. And what the 2022 class looks like it could be very, very good for Oklahoma, kind of across the board. Now, we'll have to see how they close. It's easy to say this early on. But Oklahoma's really laid some good groundwork in that class. It's amazing. Uh, I mean, <laughs> it really. By the way, if you're on Twitter and you saw a bunch of 22 hashtags and you're wondering what the f- 
is going on. That's the day Josh was talking about that you could start. Was it just making contact or offering? Uh, well, it is. I mean, obviously, a lot of offers did go out that day. But, I mean, some of the, you know, like, obviously, Talon Chetron, Gentry Williams, they've had tons of offers for a while. Yeah. Um, but, no, it was. it's just like that is, you know, for lack of a better example, that is when um, DeMarco Murray can finally call Relique Brown and okay. have a conversation. Yeah. Right. You have to rely on him to call DeMarco. Uh, okay, so, by the way, did anybody watch David Blaine and the Balloons today? Yeah, I, I kind of tweeted it and alluded to it, but anytime David Blaine does anything, I know Josh is going to jump through the screen because I know that he's a big <laughs> David Blaine guy, I think, but I always cheer for the guy to fail. Like, I want to see something really, really bad happen. Not like uh, necessarily him die, but I just kind of always cheer for the, like, I, I if somebody would have shot his balloons this morning, it really wouldn't have bothered me. I was really worried until I saw that he was literally attached to the balloons and that he couldn't let go. I mean, really, what did he? What did he really do? I mean, he he put on a, he put on a parachute midair, attached to balloons, and then skydived. I mean, that's not that big of a deal. There's a lot uh, of people that can do that. I am a huge David Blaine fan. Absolutely am. I, 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 I'm a magician. Like, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not a magician. I love magicians. I, I'm into it. Yeah, I was like, wait, well, that came out wrong. But no, I, I, and, and Blaine is my favorite. I don't care at all about the human attrition things he likes to do. Like, I love his card tricks. I love the stuff he'll do, like the street magic stuff he does. I think that stuff's awesome. You're I'm not into all much of it. for holding his breath for nine minutes? Well, yeah, like, what... What viewing pleasure do I get out of, okay, you've started this, okay, I know the setup, I know what it is, and now I stare at my watch until you're done. Like, that's not fun. That's, there's nothing enjoyable about that. But, like, amazing me with something you've done with your cards, like, I'm into that all day. I'll, I'll watch that forever. But the, like I said, the the human body tricks, eh, I'll pass. I don't need any of that. Have you watched uh, Burt Wonderstone? I have. I have. The Jim Carrey character is fantastic. In it, that. it is. Um, he is some hybrid of Blaine and Chris Angel. So right. It's, it's pretty amazing. But he takes it even further because he's oh, he's cutting into his own face to take cards out of it and stuff. Yeah, he doesn't he doesn't pee for like three weeks or some <laughs> crazy thing. That's not a great movie, but that character, I I really appreciate that character. It's just it's it's such a funny character. Whatever else you can say about Jim Carrey, he'll commit. He yeah. commits to a role. So, I think he didn't. He take his underwear out too. Just oh, it was stuffing the puppy in his pants is what it was. Oh God! Now we've taken a turn. Uh, anyway, um, team wise, uh, anything else that we haven't hit on, Bob or Eddie, that you can think of that really stood out to you this week? T uh, T J Pleasure sounds like he's making that leap. Which they need someone in the running back room, and it sounds like he's 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 ready to be that guy. I mean, I think T.J. Pledger, you have to be. He has to be your number one to start the season, because I mean, he's the only one with experience. I think Major and and, and Seth McGowan are both going to be guys that continue to push him as the season goes on and eventually overtake. I just think both of those guys. I just don't know if TJ Pledger can handle the pounding of being a number one running back, and we don't really know much about his ball security either. Taking carrying that much of a load. 
I mean, I, I think that all three of those guys with uh, without Ramondre back there, all three of those guys are going to have opportunities. It's just going to be a matter of, and we've seen it over the last couple of years with how they, and maybe it'll be a little bit different with DeMarco as, as opposed to how Jay Bulware put guys in, but I don't know. I, I, I think that they're all three going to have opportunities. It wouldn't surprise me at all, at all if Marcus Major ended up being the guy, uh, you know, obviously until Stevenson is back available, but. It should be uh, it should be really interesting. Well, Josh, you you had your uh, four running backs over 600 yards. Is there a lead dog in that group, or with with you, or just they all just kind of interchangeable parts? Well, I mean, I, I think we all know I love Ramondre Stevenson. It's just a matter of how does he hit the ground and how long is he out. I mean, like we we still don't even know what the verdict is on that for me. But I mean, to me, if he was there from day one. I would absolutely not be making that prediction. I think he is a 1,400-yard back, even in a shortened schedule. I think he's really, really good. Um, but as it is, I mean, I, I think when, you know, and I said it in the little breakdown, I feel like this is going to be, you know, because you guys know it better than me because you hear Lincoln Riley say it all the time, but this feels like the year of the hot hand. Like he's going to run a bunch of guys out there in those early series, and whoever's kind of popping and making stuff happen, that's going to be the guy that day. And that guy's, and it may be, Marcus Major one day, and it may be Seth McGowan or TJ Pledger the next. I mean, so, and then whenever Stevenson does get back, I'm sure he'll slowly be worked back into things. And by the end of the year, he'll probably have a couple hundred yard games. I mean, he's, he's that talented of a guy. So, like I said, I, there's not one. I mean, I think Stevenson's the most talented. And from everything I hear, McGowan's looked outstanding, but you just wonder how much weight are they going to put on a freshman in this kind of year when it's been, kind of weird anyway uh free the three t-shirts coming this week <laughs> i swear to god we should hashtag free three was I, it I, carrie that's the greatest idea i think you've maybe ever come up with you like that one i i am a big fan of it we can even put their numbers on there we i, I think it'd be over the line putting a marijuana leaf on there though <laughs> Oh, you would probably not appreciate us doing that. Yeah, well, if it's a not, red we shirt. might get a little uh, love from, like, normal or something like that. If it's a red shirt and a green leaf, I mean, it could be a Christmas shirt. I mean, we're just being festive. It's yeah. fine. I bet Lincoln would like those shirts. <laughs> maybe, maybe, make some, uh, maybe make some masks as well. Oh, yeah. Oh, for, yeah, free the three masks? Yeah, for people go. to wear the game. I love the free the three idea. All right, we're doing it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I've already I've held a uh, I've held a protest in the South Oval before. I will I'll do it again. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, we we need to get some merch out there if you do it this time. Yeah, I know. We'll sell that shit. We're gonna I have to get you hilarious. some some feet markings and so you can properly social distance the problem is there's no tailgating and i don't even know this like we're like are they gonna let people on asp this year i don't even know what the city's gonna do if there's no tailgating can you have a block party on asp uh it's it, I, it kind of it depends on where the university the campus guidelines run, isn't it? 
I mean, doesn't the university own Campus Corner? Uh, yes. I know that they're doing the Sooner, uh, what's the thing called over there in the parking lot south of Sarkis? That's still on this year. I know that. The, the like Fan Fest? Fan type, type stuff? Yes, the Fan Festival or whatever. That They're still doing that. They make money off of it. <laughs> All right. Because of sponsors, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure. Well, that's, I mean, that's bullshit. You can't tailgate, but they can do that. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. No, they definitely are. They are definitely. I said that asking the question, but I know, like, the sports animal will be, Jim and Al are going to be on Campus Corner. It's amazing. We're already I, running I adverts, ads for the it. Last, the that's last bu- that I, I mean, really, that is bullshit. Not, you can't tailgate, they, but everybody else can have their shit? Yeah. I've, That's the last bullshit. I heard, they had not had a campus corner meeting yet. Mm. Yeah, maybe we're just preemptively running those ads. I don't know. Oh, no. I mean, I, I, I would bet that everybody's, I mean, <laughs> everybody's operating as normal. Except for the 80,000 that are, have been told that they can't come. And the tailgaters. And the tailgaters. Tailgaters always get f***ed down there, though. That's yeah. nothing new. That's no joke. I don't know. That's that really bothers me. If they're having Fan Fest and Campus Corner, I was is told open, that they are. I could be wrong. I don't think that's right at all. Joe and Joe, it's not right. I know Joe Harris is ultimately the one making that decision, but I'll call Brother Harris. See you, Fiji. No, but he's a Panther. He's a Panther. Oh, okay. Family. Yeah. Uh, okay, not gonna get into that, that distinction. He's uh, Lebanese, so I mean, we basically are family. Radosovich is close to Lebanese. Nafi is. <laughs> <laughs> My great aunts own Nafi International Foods. That's a that's a fact. <laughs> Providing Oklahoma City with Lebanese food for like the last forty years before they closed in like two thousand. So I guess maybe not the last twenty. Years. Okay, so COVID but didn't the, shut them down. No, like they closed. They my great aunt owned it, so it was like probably until two thousand three ish. So are you related to the wolf? Uh, yeah, I have. I my first. We used to park at his house when I was like growing up. Hmm. Interesting. He gave the me connections that Eddie Radosovich has. I have a uh, I have a press credential from the Wolf when I was like seven or eight, seven or eight years old. Hmm. I don't think literally related, but definitely in last name. My grandmother's last name was Nafi. Hmm. All right. Well, that that ends the uh, Eddie Radosovich life story. We'll tell the we'll tell the rest next week. The more you know. It'll be it'll all be on the semester test, but we're doing that before Thanksgiving because I guess COVID leaves campuses during uh, breaks. <laughs> all right. But I guess we won't have to worry about it because it'll be after the election. So, and then it'll all just disappear, right? It'll just go away. Well, I mean, there's the flip they have to switch and 
DC, but yeah. <laughs> All right. On that note, let's get out of here. I'll get this podcast up. We'll go on living our lives. It's the last weekend without OU football coming up this weekend. Next week, it's game week, uh, and we get into it. We'll have more on Sooner Scoop to come. Uh, lots of great content on there right now. Uh, talk to Lincoln Riley. Talk to uh, Calvin Thibodeau and uh, also Shane Beamer today. We'll talk to players tomorrow. Then uh, all the media stuff starts up again next week uh, with Lincoln Riley's weekly press conference. We'll be back. Uh, so looking forward is to it, all of that. Did I not tell you that? Oh, you is left. Is that going to be televised? That's a good question. <laughs> That's awesome. Because I know it's all through Zoom. Is it going to still be on Fox Sports? I bet it is, Bob. Are they just going to show the Zoom feed on Fox Sports? <laughs> That'll be weird. That'd be very weird. I think it's probably just the feed that we get. Like, it won't have... Uh, I, I don't know. It's a know. good question. I, I bet it's just the feed of him just with the camera in front of him. And maybe they do, like, uh, something more out of the studio with... Uh, Toby or you know Gabe or Teddy or somebody. I don't know. That's a really good question. It'll be interesting. I'll I'll check around and see how that's going to work out. Okay. Well, thank you to uh, Josh McQuistian. Thanks to Eddie Radosevich. Thanks to Bob Prisbillo. I am Kerry Murdoch. Appreciate you guys joining us. Go uh, check out Soonerscoop.com. Sign up, please. Uh, give us a try. A lot of great content coming out now. Message boards. Uh, we're all on those things afternoon, evening, and night, morning, whatever. I mean, uh, there to answer your questions and help you out in any way. Uh, also, we do have the updated message boards. Let me throw this message out there. If you're having any problems logging in, uh, please contact me uh, at cmurdoch at soonerscoop.com. That's cmurdoch, all one word, cmurdoch, letter C, or letter C, my last name, cmurdoch at soonerscoop.com, uh, or carrymurdoch at yahoo.com. You can send me emails there as well. Hit me up on Twitter, Carrie A. Murdoch. We'll get you taken care of. We've been uh, trying to, to since we've had the board upgrade, we've had some people that have kind of been lost and, um, you know, haven't been able to get on. We've been helping everybody that we can. So uh, if you're having problems, please get, contact me through all those channels, uh, and I'll be happy to help you out and get you back on or uh, figure out exactly why you don't have access uh, so we're, I'm working hard to make sure everybody gets taken care of uh, as quickly as possible. So uh, thank you all for being for patience uh, throughout our, our board upgrades. And, you know, we really like the way the new boards are functioning now, uh, getting rid of bugs day by day. So uh, thank you to everybody for sticking with us. And thank you for listening to the Unofficial 40 podcast. We'll be back again same time next week on the Unofficial 40 from Soonerscoop.com.